We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather, the Turbul people of Yagra land as well as the Woiwurrung people of the Warrantiji land. We recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. We respect all Turbul and Woiwurrung elders and ancestors and any First Nations people here today. I can't take it anymore! Good afternoon, good evening, good day and good morning, Blurtsters, wherever you are around the world. You are listening to the new Blurt. You absolutely are listening to the new Blurt. Good evening or morning or afternoon, as the uh, Sting says. Before I go any further, I'd just like to say uh, hi tonight. I'm coming to you from Wuntjeri country, the Kulin Nation. The Woiwurrung people, sovereignty was never ceded, always has been and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm the Kexter, host of The New Blurt. Tonight we have a fantastic guest and I will let Wensi tell you all about it. Awesome. Hello, Kexter and everyone, all Blurtsters out there. Before I get started, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the Mianjin uh, region uh, uh, and respect, pay all my respects to Jagger and Terrible people past, present and emerging. Sorry about that. I just got my words mixed up. But yes, here we are, another show. And yes, like you said, we have a special guest today as the ticker tape shows. We have uh, Charles Druckmann, who is a council uh, candidate running at the uh, upcoming Brisbane City Council elections, which uh, comes in on March 16. Excellent. So, Wensi? Yes. So, um, so with that, um, yeah, so we've got Charles on. Um, he is a local Westie, or um, that's what we call us who live in the west suburbs of, of Brisbane. Uh, he's a small business owner and has a Bachelor in Urban and Environmental Planning. Um, I think we have Charles just about ready to join us. So I'm going to bring him on and welcome, Charles. Hello, guys. How are you doing? Good well, evening, thank you. Thank you for having me. Not too bad. Uh, well, Excellent. We You're can't see you, but we can hear you. So that's a very good sign. Wincy and the Kexer. Uh, yeah, sorry about that mute, uh, sound in the background. <laughs> oh, no, I did that, hear that. that that was the green there done that theme. That ah, we, there you go. We had to get that in just before. So. Yes. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, Charles, uh, you're an expert in urban and environmental planning. Um, how did you get into that? And what have you, uh, how have you uh, used that to your to, to the good of the West in, in Brisbane? Uh, interestingly, I got into it from a decision in grade nine, a school project, I actually learned from a teacher that um, we were doing a, we we're doing a uh, project around sustainable building design. And I wondered why all buildings didn't have certain features on it. And they said that that type of thing would be planning decisions, it's building codes, it's planning rules. And I thought to myself, geez, that sounds like a really easy way to make a big difference is to just simply make a policy that changes that. And so I decided way back in grade nine that I wanted to be a planner. Uh, I wouldn't say that anything particular for Westside has been my focus. So I've worked in strategic planning more so, which is more like things around natural hazard resilience and strategic cropping land. Um, so it hasn't necessarily been Westside specific in my planning my planning background, but you do learn the things, same types of things apply. It's the same process that you involve and it's more general there. I think some of the reasons that maybe uh, you're looking at running for the council 
again this time. I, I think you ran in 2020. That's correct, isn't it, Charles? Yes, indeed. 2020 was the first run at it. And so four years on, what was the plan? Uh, my, my bad. Is it every four years for council in uh, Brisbane? Is that correct? Or Correct. Yeah, every four years. And the plan this time around has been focused around um, listening to the, what the community wants and trying to reflect it back, which is what we did last time. Uh, some things have changed and some things, unfortunately, because nothing, not much has been done in the area, haven't particularly changed. So it's a bit of variety there. So it depends which parts you'd like to drill down into, I suppose. So in terms of the planning and development that's been happening um, under the current LMP council, uh, what, what are the changes that you would bring in or, or want to introduce, um, hoping that we're going to get this green wave again in council where we're going to win some more seats? Uh, so we found in our area, people have been particularly upset about vacant shops is one of the things. So we've got a lot of land being wasted with empty shops. Obviously, it's a limited commodity. Uh, you can't just prove, you know, a dozen shopping centres around. It's not going to be feasible. Uh, so we have a vacancy levy that is inspired by Vancouver. And if we implement that, people who are intentionally leaving stores vacant for six months or more would pay a levy on that based on the valuation of the property. Uh, if they're potentially living at vacant, of course, only for six months or more. Uh, we've also looked at providing a new community centre for the ward because we know people have a quite a big uh, gap in services. It's a very dispersed ward, so that gap allow, um, that gap means that it's more than a 10-minute ride to get to the nearest community centre for people who are in the middle of the ward, basically. Mm. Um, so community centres are on the agenda. We've got uncapping development infrastructure charges because at the moment we're not having a lot of infrastructure developed into the area. And that's getting exacerbated by the fact that developers are not particularly contributing towards the infrastructure, even though they're subdividing land. So what and you mean by that is that they're developing the land, but there's no thought to what the, how they're going to actually do something to the natural habitat, what they're going to save, what sort of areas they're going to explore for species um, investigation, these sort of things. I think we may have lost Charles. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, well, let's just wait. There are some dead spots, as we know. So hopefully, oh, yeah, yep, okay, he's, back, he's back online. So do you want to ask that question again, Kekster? Oh, I, I, would. I did hear it, yeah. Oh, you oh, did good, hear it. I can't oh. remember what the question was. So it's great that you heard it, Charles. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was going to say that, so we, d we definitely do have that gap as well, that the neighbourhood plans are largely being ignored and there's not necessarily protection of the character or the leafy green nature of some suburbs. Um, but that's also in addition to the fact that we're not getting the money in that's supposed to be delivered for infrastructure from the people who are profiting off it at the moment too. So it's a bit of a dual aspect in terms of um, development in the area and do it incre while increasing the density, the problems being created. Yeah, because um, recently, I think this, I think it was this, oh, 2023, didn't the LNP scrap some sort of tax on developers and so a lot of projects that they had planned around brisbane have now also been scrapped things like libraries community centers parks are now not being done bridges. because of that yeah we've um we've lost two green bridges for it it's about 400 million every year that's being yeah. cut out of the budget it's a four billion dollar budget losing 400 million and that's essentially just money that the developers will take as profit um because they're not contributing towards that infrastructure when they're planning a development and getting an approval. Um, mm. They actually, 
to be honest, even before that cap reduction, it was actually already uh, like your rates would have already been contributing a significant amount towards infrastructure that provides for those that they're profiting off anyway. So it was already too little and it's gone even less now as a result yeah. of the uncap, the cap, the new cap. Yeah. Okay. Charles, I understand that the, um, uh, the Brisbane average is around about, oh, I think it's around about 1800, 1900 a week. Um, and the area of Pullenvale is a bit higher than that as an average. How does that work from a greens perspective? Because, um, Obviously, in the past, sort of lefty, green, et cetera, et cetera, equals communist, <laughs> socialist, et cetera, et cetera. That, that is not obviously uh, the case nowadays. I totally understand that. But that is still very much an LNP sort of view of the world to a certain extent. Um, I think they got about 60% uh, of the vote last time. You increased your vote by 8%, which is a lot. How do you feel that you've just leapfrogged straight over the 8% this time because um, sort of uh, green conditions are such that, you know, with the environment, how it is, and there's enough people out there that understand what's happening in our world um, and what's uh, happening with the, you know, the green temperature being such an urgent uh, thing happening up to 2030, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you think it's right for a change in this area or how do you feel it's, it's going to go? Do you have any polling on that or? Uh, we do have a pretty decent idea in a sense. So last time we were about a bit over 8% shy um, of getting through and we had an 8.2% swing last time. Um, we do notice when we watch the preferences. So if you're in the polling booth, you never, uh, unless you're in the polling booth, you don't actually get to see where people wanted to put their second preference. And so we, we see a lot of people last time put the Greens second preference behind the Liberals. Um, and that tends to reflect that it's an electorate that tends to have an interesting intersection of its values that are usually environmental and progressive, but they're also um, a bit economic and fiscal. So allow, it makes it a bit different to other electorates where we're maybe trying to get votes, perhaps, but um, people here do have values that align quite well for the Greens, if they're, even if they're voting for Liberals. So I guess we're not too worried about that conversion or that potential. And it's also a good condition in the sense that we have a federal rep now. Um, we've gone green at that level. And one of the barriers that people, when we talk to them at doors, uh, in voting yeah. for the Greens is actually simply believing that there's a chance for the Greens to win. And that particularly yeah. matters when we're, when we're talking about a situa uh, situation where we've got often people only voting one in the election because there's not compulsory preferential voting. Hmm. Um, I was... Yes, so we had a viewer question and it pretty much answered that, but I believe, um, uh, yeah, so I was going to say, um, oh, here we go. Um, what do you, so Vicky says, um, what do you think are the Greens' chances Brisbane-wide? Uh, Brisbane-wide, we, I think it's, it's, it's a, I, I should preface it by saying that if the Greens win about six seats, that funny enough will be enough to get balance of power. And we oh, do wow. have more than six seats that we'll be able to get to probably second or be in the running for. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty good chance. We have some seats where there's no incumbent councillor, uh, like Paddington and Walter Taylor, and those have a particularly good chance of winning. Um, as well as we have some seats that got ma other seats that got massive campaigns like Cooparoo and Central Ward going on at the moment. 
So I think in those particular ones, we've got an incredibly good chance. And then there's other ones like Pull&Bell Warden and Nogra, which have a pretty good chance, but maybe you're going to be more of a coin flip, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like there's definitely going to be some movement and positive movement because the grassroots approach the party takes tends to have that consistently. Mm. But definitely, it's a, it's a good chance. I'm not an optimistic person generally, but I'd say there's quite a good chance of things progressing towards a greenway or completely flipping, depending mm. on the conditions of the day. Because, you know, a flood if a flood happens, obviously people have got certain things in mind, depending on world <laughs> events. Um, you can see different things in people's mind on election day, and that could be the you know that little bit of difference between who they vote for. Mm. Um, is that is that the feeling you're getting uh, when you're doing the door knocking that people are quite leaning towards a green in uh, way in in your ward? Um, I think it's interesting door knocking in the sense that. I get a perspective because we're asking people what they care about, and we talk about mm. the policy that we could we can offer associated with that. Sometimes it's hard to gauge whether we're just making a convincing argument because we're at the door and we're talking to someone or whether it's because they were already considering voting green. So if we're talking to someone, we definitely find that most people are very open to voting green or actually want to vote green. Uh, only if only a small percentage, maybe around eight to 12% don't look like they'll vote green at all after we've talked to them. Um, but it really, it, it, the challenge there is that's after we've talked to them and you do find that um, a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of our policies and it's very hard to get people to engage with those. Uh, every little opportunity to get people to engage with what policies are on offer and what council can do is fantastic mm. because it's a limited it's a limited period of time that you can be out mm. door knocking and people will be home or and be, only a certain amount of people read the, the leaflet you put in their letterbox or whatnot. Mm. Yeah, and I guess the last chance you get to talk to them is at the pre-poll, like you mentioned earlier, and that's when you can hopefully get, because I've done pre-polling myself, and that's the last chance you can um, talk to them, hand out the leaflet, ask them do they have any questions and what are your concerns, and hopefully just change their mind if they were on the fence. Definitely, definitely a good chance, and I think there's a bonus in a sense that pre-poll is quite long at the moment, so essentially we can have more opportunity to talk and discuss with people uh, because the flow is a little slower and I can also be the person, I can be at a lot of pre-poll. I mm. can't be at every every booth on election day, but I can be at the singular pre-poll booth for a while. Uh, the downside though this time that's a little awkward is, as I mentioned, we've got a vacant shopping center in our ward and one of our policies is around vacant shops um, and it penalizes owners who are doing the wrong thing. Um, mm. The pre-poll booth for us is actually located in that shopping center. Uh, so. Right. It's going to be a little bit awkward. Um, I know they got cameras and they watch them with sound on them while we'll be, talk- while be talking to people. So it's going to be a little awkward talking about things like uh, our popular policies like the vacancy levy while someone's watching who's not particularly mm. happy about it. Yeah, um, yeah. But that- <laughs> so you're so. talking about the vacancy uh, before, Charles. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not, a, not across this. Is this... Um, is this an issue because it's stopping someone else buying the area to live in, i.e. housing crisis sort of stuff? Or what's the actual problem w- with the uh, empty sort of levy? I haven't, sorry, I haven't come across this. Before. Oh, no, it's awesome. So essentially, uh, there's perverse incentives in both our taxing system as well as how we're giving bank loans and spe- property speculation that are making it so people who own commercial properties in this particular case, um, it's better for them to leave it vacant than it is to fill the shops up. 
they'll make more money off it. Um, so what some shopping, uh, so what some people do is they might buy a property and they'll increase the rent and each individual store isn't counted. So it's, it's counted as how much it's worth. So if you have one store rented for $700 and you have an empty store and that's the only other store to compare it to, they'll assume the other store is worth $700. So that valuation can go up based upon the collective value that that's, you know, inflating. Uh, and then when we when they inflate the value of the property through increasing rental yields, they can take a new loan out through a debt restructure and the debt restructuring they've purchased other properties with. And then this property then becomes something they can just negatively gear. So essentially, when the over, or maybe a bit complicated, but essentially what it's meaning is that people can use a system of valuations to get more money buy other properties and not care about the existing property, whether it's full or empty. And we obviously as a community want to fill the shops because if we don't, then we have to travel way further for services. We get less food, all that. And we can't put, we can't use all that space for empty shops. So yeah, so we want to make sure that they're filling up the shops and find them or give them a levy if they're not filling up those shops as a private owner who's um, got a limited amount of land. So it sounds it sounds a bit like a Trump fraudulent overvaluation of um, property business. Uh, type situation. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think yeah, you must have definitely. the same same lawyers. It sounds like. Um, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> it's an overvaluation of property. And yeah, banks are so. aware of it, but it's a small percentage that actually are able to do it because it's only where you've got limited commercial real estate that they can inflate the value in that particular method. So it's an unfortunate situation where we have limited available ones and they've been able to do that. Charles, if you had three priorities, just say that you win, you're in, you've got three priorities. What are your first three top priorities that you want to work on? Uh, that'd be pretty easy. Uh, I'd say the first one is empowering the community. So having a proper com community consultation process. Uh, the reason I want this is because I think even if I'm removed from the system, then it'll be stronger, more rigorous, and we'll be able to have better outcomes because the community will be involved and probably more likely to actually understand what they can achieve out of council. I'd say the second one would be climate action because it's pretty urgent and cities have about fraction with about 70% of emissions. So that's everything like your waste, that's your sustainable building design, that's obviously not building in flood zones and the effects as well, the adaptation and it's transport, which is the most obvious one, is the, probably the other most obvious one. Um, so it's climate change would probably be my second. My, and I'd say the third one would probably be to set up a situation, to focus on building the capacity of that ward office itself. How are you or how do you um, conduct your personal and sort of professional life as a small business owner? I think you're still a small business owner and environmental planner with uh, trying to uh, yeah, be the counsellor uh, in this ward. Uh, I think the tough thing is trying to maintain having a healthy lifestyle. So funny enough, obviously, I'm going up to a uh, netball game in, in shortly. Um, but with that type of thing, reserving time to make sure that I'm exercising and staying healthy, it seems to be really important because it's very hard to um, find the time. And last time when I ran, I definitely struggled to um, to balance. Sorry, I definitely struggled to balance last time with my. <laughs> I definitely struggled to balance my time last time and ended up getting sick and burning myself out probably after the council campaign. 
Uh, this time I've definitely focused on making sure that every week I have exercise time available so that I'm keeping healthy. That's probably the, the most important thing for me because I'm, if I'm active, my brain works better and I'm able to work more efficiently, but definitely it's definitely something that it's hard to manage between the time in terms of the work and the campaign itself as a raw element, it's definitely um, weekends all out and you don't really get a break. So you kind of just got to endure. <laughs> Mm. Well, lots of green tea and echinacea. That should help. Yes, yes, that's true. Well, staying <laughs> yeah. fit and healthy is very, very important for your mental health, as you said. So, yeah, keep that up. Yeah, thank you. And Absolutely. We, and we know you're short on time because it looks like you've just arrived at the venue to play your weekly Perfect. netball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it worked out perfectly with you guys. I mean, I don't have yeah. to rush that much, but um, it has okay. worked out quite perfect timing. Um, okay. Really, do you have time for really one more question? Yeah. I definitely do. do. I definitely okay. do. Go for okay. it. Cool. I love getting yep. questions. All right. Because right, I've got a question uh, from Vicky again online. Uh, she says or asks, what would you say is the biggest environmental issue that people in the Pullenvale area are concerned about? Oh, that's a tough call because it maybe it's maybe a flip between two and the ones we've heard. One could possibly be uh, environmental in terms of building in flood zones, like that environmental hazard direction. Yeah. But if we go more pure environmental, it possibly could be um, simply the erosion of the green space. Um, though we do also have even specific examples in our ward where we've had um, Mount Kutha has a lot of has alumina going ahead and lumina has gone in it's basically something that could damage the environment and it's gone through without particularly good community consultation and barely any environmental assessment so there's an individual situation where um, the process has not been particularly good and there's an environmental risk and people are quite adamant about protecting protecting mount kutha generally um, but overall people are very big on protecting the aesthetic green elements in the mm. and the actual green space. So people yeah. really don't like watching trees get bulldozed in the area. Yeah. I know it's not the most fascinating one, but we do have a lot of development that simply just cuts trees down in the area. Um, yeah, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just going to add to that because we saw what happened with the zip line that was planned years ago or a couple of years ago in at Mount Kurth as well, and that got uh, shot in the in the face as well. So. Hopefully yeah. that's what happens with this one. Um, yeah, so, yeah, locals don't like that area, Mount Kutha, being uh, destroyed. So keep up the good fight, hopefully. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me as well. And um, hopefully I haven't been too detailed in my answers, but... No, 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 it's been good. <laughs> no, um, I think thank you. it's been brilliant. And I think everyone who's uh, joined the call has uh, really got something from it as well. And uh, we'll get this out um, just as a small um, pod probably in the next within the next week probably and awesome, uh, people, awesome. can, people can listen to the interview so you'll be able to post yeah. it wherever you would like to post it to so yeah i definitely thanks. will thank you so much guys i really appreciate right, no the time, thanks for your time. Rough up to appreciate network. yours too yeah no and good luck right. too cheers absolutely thank you. Good, good, luck. Luck. good luck at the game all right awesome wow a fantastic uh, guy awesome yeah. no that was absolutely brilliant and really really appreciated his time um you know going to his netball game etc etc so it's good to see. I mean, obviously a young man and um, he's putting his hand up for something that's um, going to take a lot of his time. And mm. it's interesting because I don't know, but I could just about guarantee the guy that in, that's in there now, Greg Adamant, 
is not as young as Charles. No, definitely just, not. Just have a feeling. And yeah. I imagine he's probably got white hair. Um, uh, possibly, yes. How did I guess? I mean, I do too. But you know, what I'm getting, <laughs> what I'm getting at is, it's it's fantastic to have uh, you know some young, um, young blood and mm. good, good, smart, progressive ideas, uh, and real verve and real energy and excitement to do something. And as 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 you said, I mean, eighteen percent. I, I was reading before. I think it was an eighteen percent. There's a new, new word for, for uh, your dictionary today. <laughs> Where did the day? Absolutely. 18%. That's a good one. Uh, I think it was 18% against um, last time and mm. 8% uh, towards the green. Total, so, total yeah. Swing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I absolutely hope that uh, he does well. Um, mm. I so, there is a people, chance. Yeah. Yeah, so like and like you said, they only need six uh, wards to fall into the Greens' hands to have the balance of power. And I, I was going to ask this during the interview, but I can't remember the exact number of uh, wards in the Brisbane City Council, uh, but I think it's in the 30s potentially uh, number of wards. So that's why six is sufficient for them to 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 get that balance in power once you take into account L, uh, ALP. Yeah, so when he was talking about seats, when he was talking about um, the vacant seats across Brisbane, because I'm not mm. really, you know, across your um, election um, mm -hmm. uh, process, etc. Uh, 16th of March. Six, 16th of March. We'll hold the balance of power. So Vicky has said, from the sounds of it, very likely Greens will hold the balance of power mm. in Brisbane Council after this election. Well, that yeah. is pretty damn interesting. Thank you very mm. much for that, Vicky. Um, um, Confirmation, sorry to interrupt there. 26 wards in Brisbane, 27 councillors. How does that okay, work? Okay, so does that mean you've got 26 elections? Is that what's happening? Uh, yes, yeah, so elections in each ward on that day, correct. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if people are aware, uh, especially those in Australia, but I think Brisbane might have to do my homework here, uh, but Brisbane might be the only council that is politically aligned. So they're allowed to oh. put in their, yeah, yeah, they're allowed to have political signage and things like that. Whereas other councils around Australia, I don't believe they're allowed to do that. They can still be politically aligned, but you can't have all your banners and things like that. Okay, well, it sounds like I you just wrong. gave yourself some nice homework. I think I have. At least I've got two weeks to give to do my homework. You do, so. you do, because we won't be here next week, and we will get on to that exactly why that is the case. So give me two seconds, and we'll just get this yeah. party started, and it's time for load around the world. Yeah, it is. Well, Thanks, Vicky, for that well, extra info. Yeah, that's fantastic. And thank you, everyone that uh, joined us for the interview with. Um, Charles as well, that was uh, excellent. And as I said, you'll be around the world. You'll be able to listen to that pod very, very soon. Um, but um, you're not working. Ah, yes, that's exactly right. I'm not. I'm not working. I am going to New Zealand as of tomorrow afternoon. And you know what? The weather over there at the moment is um, is a little bit ridiculous. Mm. It's uh, and ridiculous. Well, it, it was 33 degrees in Auckland today, uh, at about 80% humidity. So yeah, very wow. Brisbane-y. 
Yeah, yeah. No, Brisbane. no, no, I don't like that. <laughs> and, we've had um, we've had almost two weeks of that lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're hiding in your air conditioning, aren't you? I am pretty much running yeah. a aircon almost 24 by 7, at least oh, that, quite often throughout the day. I uh, hope night. you've got solar on the roof. No, I rent. Uh, I'm right. not looking forward to the electricity bill, bill. In, no. in a month's time. No, no, I imagine it will be quite big, unfortunately. Yeah, which isn't uh, which isn't great, but yeah. Anyway, so as I say, um, off to uh, New Zealand. It is quite warm over there, and um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be quite warm uh, most of the time. I'm there. I'm only there for about a week. I'm back next Wednesday, so as I said, we'll miss the show next week. But talking about New Zealand, uh, we we had a little reference to this before the show. It's um, Waitangi Day there. Mm. That is. Do we have an equivalent? Is that no, we do day? not, no. and I'll tell you why we don't have an equivalent. Because at the start of our show, we always say that sovereignty was never ceded, always was, and always will be Aboriginal mm. land. The whole idea of the Waitangi Treaty is that they ceded sovereignty right. to the British, mm. and I mean, we'll go into this another day, and I will talk a little bit about it now, but it's so detailed, and I might even put in a podcast um, that I've been listening to. That is from your recommendation from Do Yourself a Favour, which is mm-hmm. Half-Assed History. Ah, yes. Um, and That's I have... podcast, that one that we talked about. Fell in, fell in love with recently. it. Fell in love with it. Um, so I'll get the podcast link for that. But... What I found out today with Waitangi is that the reason there's so much controversy about it, and there still is now, is because there was two treaties. There was a Waitangi Treaty written for the British, mm-hmm. and then there was a Waitangi Treaty translated for the Māori. Right. Now, okay. the problem is that the guy that wrote it with his son and then translated it he put in a word that isn't a Maori word, and the word only existed five years before the treaty was written. Right. This particular word was basically a bastardization of governorship, and they sort of mucked around with the um, Maori alphabet that only has 15 letters mm-hmm. and turned it into another type of word that doesn't, it doesn't say governorship, but that's sort of what it means, and that's sort of how it translated mm-hmm. into Maori. Right. So in the British one, it said they've ceded sovereignty, basically <laughs> they've given us everything. And then in the Maori one, it said um, governorship, which just means, right. you know, which isn't ceding the king and all the rest mm. of it. It's just saying, okay, you can run this or whatever, but you don't own it. You don't, you don't own it. You're not yeah. king it of it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So they, they they tricked them. Yes, they basically did. And one of the reasons that allegedly one of the reasons this happened is because a guy that wrote it with his son wanted to get it done ASAP. And the mm. reason he wanted to get it done ASAP is because he, and you'll never believe this, he had already purchased land off the Maori. Right. So he, so he didn't, really, want to, didn't want to lose was, it. That's exactly right. He was really concerned the French would come in and they would take it over and then or the New Zealand company, something right. like the India company. Yep. So, yeah, 
of course, it's normal, just personal gains. Yeah, yeah it's That's always typical. I know it's always typical so, white man going into yep. foreign indigenous lands. Exactly right. Exactly right. So that is why um, they didn't. Well, they did actually. They did wipe out a, a lot, but mm. not not like they did in Australia. And one of the reasons for that is that uh, the Maori are naturally warrior. Um, mm. Yeah, that is tribes, true. You know, yeah. and 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 the the indigenous in Australia weren't. That's just not. Yeah. They just didn't roll away. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like they backed down if another. Uh, you know, d- uh, dialect of um, indigenous came down, and they weren't happy mm. with what was happening. And and you know, they had their own law, L O R E, etc. When they're dealing with different things, etc. But mm. they weren't innately a warrior type yeah. of person. Yeah. Whereas, whereas was, the, yeah. I was just, yeah, I was just going to say, whereas the Maori, or how do you pronounce it, Maori? Mo- uh, yeah, Maori? I think it's Maori, something Maori. like that. Uh, yeah, yeah that's where, the warriors. That's yeah, nice. oh, there you go. Nice. Um, whereas the Maori uh, warriors, and so the pasty white English would be too afraid to to fight. Yes, fight. well, as a, <laughs> as as a rule, as a rule. But see, I mean, again, I'll put the podcast in because it's so worth listening to. But um, it's all about um, the muskets. It's all about uh, the guns. Yeah, and technology. Absolutely. And where did they get the guns from? They got them when they came back. This is a really big story. I'll make it really short. <laughs> there was a guy that went to England and he was like a chieftain of the, mm. the Maldives. And they loved him because he had the mocos on his face, which means mm-hmm. uh, face tattoos all about stories, oh, okay. etc. So yeah. they have song lines in, um, in Indigenous and they also have different paintings and things. But in... Um, uh, in the Maori uh, culture, they have mocos, which is sort of like their song lines on their face mm. and their stories and all the rest of it. It does look scary as all get out, especially when the gang people do it. But yeah. um, but when it first, you know, became, that that's what it was all about. Anyway, he went to England. Uh, they thought he was magnificent. Um, they gave him some armour mm-hmm. and, and some other things, et cetera, et cetera, when he was there. And on his way home, he dropped into Sydney and he sold everything he had for a whole heap of guns. And mm. then he went back to New Zealand and started shooting more melodies that didn't have any guns. So, right. yeah, so uh, that's, how that, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, that's yeah works. and I think since um, the changeover in government recently in New Zealand, um, I read today because it's uh, – what's the uh, day today? Waitangi? Waitangi Day. Waitangi, Waitangi Day. Um, yeah, that since the centre-right have come into power, they've been taking away uh, signage that had all the Maori uh, language and things like that. So they're slowly dismantling the progress that's been happening over the last few decades, which yeah. is pretty sad and annoying and makes a lot of people angry, I take it. Well, it does, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, I've got... Um... I've got brother-in-laws and and sister-in-laws, et cetera, that, um, you know, have sort of uh, talked about that and um, I don't agree with their opinion and (laughs) neither does Ness, so that's always an interesting conversation. Um, So, yeah, it's a bit of of a tough one to to have because, Mm. um, 
yeah, we just think that as a rule, Indigenous worldwide is always um, underestimated and, um, uh, you know, and there's always undercutting and uh, it's just not treated how it should be, basically. Mm, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you'll be arriving after Waitangi Day, so hopefully... You won't be in the controversy, but I'm sure the controversy never ends. No, and I, I, I think you're right. I think you're 100% um, correct there. But um, just on a completely, and I'm just going to sneak this in. It's it's not a it's not a Trump watch. It's just going to be a um, homework because uh, I just had a look at this um, last week. So. We were talking about in Trump Watch. We were talking about the Orange Head, and we his name will never be mentioned on this program. So, <laughs> apart from the fact, not that intentionally. It's in, it's in, no, it's in the name of the sting. In the name of yeah. the second. Anyway, um, you were saying to me, "Oh, but he will never need to pay the eighty-three million because mm. they'll reduce it, etc." Now, do a little bit of research on that. Mm-hmm. He will have to pay the eighty-three million. He Excellent. has to be able to pay. Eighty-three point three million to the judge. Wow! And then or, when he can, when he can do that, mm-hmm. the judge will then pay um, E. Jean Carroll, and then he can go for appeal. But until he can come up with the eighty-three point three mil, he can't appeal. Oh uh, wow! Awesome. Is that the yes. way it normally works? Uh, I don't know, but that's how it works in America. Yeah, there you go. If you want to pe- appeal, that's fine. Appeal. But you have to pay whatever they told you to pay. Mm. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just thought I might just uh, throw that in, just to um, I knew that would make you happy. <laughs> mm. oh, definitely. <laughs> Anything that takes him closer to to jail. Um, not that that would stop him from running or even winning the presidency, but man, wouldn't it be good just to see him behind bars? Ah, oh, it would be good to see this. I tell you, this this is what I'd like to see. <laughs> Let's move. I'd like yeah. to see that. Yes. From behind bars, screaming his head off. This isn't fair. <laughs> I know. That's uh, yeah. For anyone watching, um, or at you're the moment, listening. what you're looking at, or listening, uh, especially listening, <laughs> what we're looking <laughs> at is an AI image of uh, Orange Head. Um, in a pumpkin, uh, wearing a nappy, but you can't see him wearing the nappy because um, that's below the image. But mm. that's what it is, and um, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, I will just digress on that slightly because it was interesting what I asked AI to do, and it was interesting what it came back with ethically that it wasn't allowed mm. to do. Yeah, the first and, time you asked it. Yeah, you and explain uh, what what you asked the first time. Um, I think what I asked the first time was uh, create an image of a orange-headed baby uh, screaming, "They stole the election." Yeah. And he and with a nappy says... with a nappy on, yeah. And computer said, "No, I can't do that. Um, I am not allowed to uh, create uh, ethically challenged images and blah 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 mm. blah." Uh, this could um, this could affect someone's um, well-being, etc., etc., etc. 
and, and then gave you, you and link, I gave you links uh, about um, the news articles about stolen elections as well, didn't it? About yes, yes, all that. It, yeah. did. it did indeed. It did indeed. And then you and I had a bit of a natter and went, Oh, we're gonna have to trick this bugger mm. and um, <laughs> give it a go. So I did trick it and I said, Okay, then create me a pumpkin headed. <laughs> An orange pumpkin-headed or something. Orange pumpkin-headed baby, man-like in a, a nappy, screaming. Yeah. And and that's what we got, and which, which I find utterly amazing because mm. I didn't even put in orange head, and that's what yeah. you get. So yeah. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But hilarious. Um, it is. It is hilarious. Um, as my mum would say, tatterfilarious. But um, <laughs> I always like that one. That's a good one. But um, uh, I'll just bring that back. Um, now, the other thing was, did you know, and this this is actually lovely because it's very cute. Did mm. you know that rats are taking selfies? Did you, oh, are they? Did you, did you, <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> are they? Uh, I wonder if they're going to get uh, the issue with their thumbs constantly pressing the shutter button. You know, RSI. Yeah. Yes, they might get R- RSI or carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Exactly Do tell right. us more, please. I will I will tell you a little bit more. The interesting thing about the thing was as soon as they started doing the selfies, they um, couldn't stop apparently. Yeah, oh, right. They, they got, yeah, they got addicted to it apparently. So, um, yeah. so. narcissists, are they? Y- yes, I think so. I think so. I think um, I think one of the, uh, the one of the rats' name is nicknamed Trump. I think I'm not exactly. Sure. But <laughs> oh, um, you said the word. No, you're not I supposed did. to say that. <laughs> I did. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. I think I've got. Yeah, I think hundred lakh. Yeah. Well, at least this, I imagine. So. Yes. Yes, that's right. Probably that. <laughs> Probably that. When Augustine Lignier, a professional photographer in Paris, was in graduate, he began to ponder the point of picture taking. Uh, it was not a novel question, uh, just a surprising um, place. And before long, he found himself in a building that was his essence, a photo booth for rats. He took inspiration from B.F. Skinner, the famous behaviorist who had devised a test chamber to study learning in rats, a Skinner box as it's became known, dispensed food pellets when rats pushed a designated lever. See, it's all starting to make sense now. Mm. Um, so there you go. Well, there there's go. your box. There's your lever. And there's your uh, selfie. So I imagine that every time it got some food or whatever, it took a picture, something along mm. those lines, I assume. So, um it became one of the most well-known experimental paradigms in psychology. Scientists found that rewarding-seeking rats became lever-pressing pros, pushing the bar down over and over again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Mr. Linear built his own version of the Skinner box, a tall, transparent towel, which we just had a look at before. Mm-hmm. These links will be in the show notes. You should be able to see those. So um, don't worry about what you can't see at the moment. Um, but after the training phase, the rewards became more unpredictable. So although the rats were still photographed every time they hit the button, the sweet treats came only once in a while uh, by design. So these kinds of intermittent rewards can be especially powerful, scientists have found, for keeping animals glued to the experimental slot machines as await their next 
Next, Jackpot. I've seen them do this um, not as a reward and not as a experiment, but mm. um, in a zoo I was in New Zealand. Um, sorry, New Zealand. Um, <laughs> they, they've got keys, and what the keys do, they're really, really smart because key, most parrots are just super smart, but keys are really, really smart. And what they did was they realised every time they stepped on the... Um, they had like a pail. It was like a um, – it had a lid and the lid sort of had like a spring on it. Okay. And as soon as, as soon as it stepped on the spring, it would get an apple. Oh, nice. And so you would see – little board. The, Yeah, you'd see them step on and get the apple, step on and get the apple. And, and they were, you know, quite smart, quite smart. Mm. But the super smart ones were the ones who stepped on and kept on uh, and didn't get there. off. And just kept getting more and more apples, and just kept eating heaps of apples. Tap 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 yeah. tap tap tap. <laughs> none, none of this tapping stuff. They just just went. I don't need to move. I'm not moving. Yeah. I'm just going to keep. Ah, the right. So time. just just stay on it. Yeah, just, just stay on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Clever. Yeah, they're they're super smart. Super super smart. And and um, so so with the with the mice more. with the mice and the selfie. Very cute pictures. Oh very yeah, very cute. cute. So I assume that they were seeing a picture of themselves every time they took the photo? It's a really, really good question. I'll just uh, check that. I've just got some fantastic little cute photos here. As I say, mm, I will put these those. in the show links. So they're very, very cute. Um, they really yeah. I mean, Dr. Harry always says that rats are some of the cutest pets you could have. So mm, um, And smart. Yeah, super smart. Yeah. Super smart, mm. as we can tell. So. Um, digital social media companies use the same concept to keep the attention of the viewer as long as possible, he said, which is 100% true, you know, when you scroll through and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, the guy that um, – the guy uh, – I think I think it was one of the guys or girls, I can't remember, in – I think it was in Google. I think it was Google mm -hmm. who invented – the um, non-stop scroller. Oh, you know, okay. at one stage you'd have a page end; it was end, mm. it would end. Yeah. And then he found a way, or she found a way, so that that page never ends. Oh right! So just endless doom scrolling. Yeah, exactly right. So thanks for that. Yeah. Um, Which is what you get now in TikTok, Instagram, Correct. all those apps where it just keeps Correct. going, never stops. Correct. The Correct. algorithm just keeps feeding you. 100% correct. Um, oh, and uh, just uh, digressing as usual. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to know, if you want to know who invented uh, Spotify and how it all started up, the playlist mm. on Netflix. Uh, get onto that if you haven't been watching it. It's very, Is that what it's called? The playlist. The playlist. It's very, okay. very good. Very, right. very good. I think um, millennials probably aren't going to be interested because they're still probably. Um, uh, Illegally downloading stuff. Yeah, using um, or, or, or uh, Lime, LimeWire. I think it was whatever LimeWire. they use. I yeah. don't know what they use. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't done any illegal downloading since I was thirty odd. I think ever since Netflix came in, um, mm. and there was a, a way you could actually pay just a small amount. Yeah. Um, and you get everything. I'm more yep. than happy. Uh, no problems yep. at all. I, yep. I want to make sure people get paid. I, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, every everyone's doing a job, but. Yeah, when you're younger and you don't have the money or you just mm. don't care about ethics, I'm uh, more yeah. than happy just to download a link. 
So anyway, the playlist, brilliant, excellent. Mm, um, right. So yeah, this is nearly finished. So on maybe uh, being able to keep ourselves busy pressing buttons, its own reward. Scientists concluded in 2014 uh, that many human volunteers preferred to administer electric shocks to themselves instead of being left alone with their own thoughts. Hmm. Just going to have a little bit of dead air for a second there. Yeah. Because that is pondering time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, heavy. so if anyone found that a bit weird then, um, I'm sorry about that. Do, <laughs> do, you, have, uh, do you have any uh, sort of wraparounds we can put on? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Let's uh, maybe talk a little bit about the Grammys. Yes. And the reason why I say, and I want to bring this up very briefly, um, because the big winner is Taylor Swift, who won um, Album of the Year with her album called Mid Midnight's from last year. Have you um, heard the album? Uh, constantly. I have a, a child in the house who... I was going to say, you're not playing it. <laughs> who loves, loves Taylor Swift. Hence, and I'm sure, you know, uh, we're off to Sydney in a couple of weeks' time to see Taylor at a concert in Sydney. Um, so this is quite uh, uh, relevant for us because of that. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, she's, she's won that. I think she's the, um, the only artist male or female uh in the history of the grammys which is 66 grammys now that have been done who has won four album of the year awards um so yeah she's she's doing pretty well so i th i think also she's the only artist where kanye west came up um and was a prick to her yeah, I think, I think um, that's only ever happened to her as well. So exactly. she's got a, a few firsts, quite a few firsts. In fact, she's got another first as well. She's the only artist that has a revenue that is the same size as a small Caribbean island's mm. GDP. Yeah, she's um, become the highest earning uh, performer, I think, uh, like music performer. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Number one. She's got 94, 94 and a half million followers. Mm -hmm. Imagine if every single one of her followers that could vote, voted. There's your yeah. election. Done. Yeah, exactly. It's done. It's finished all over. Yeah. Well, she's worth and, and, over a billion dollars now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah, probably more, I would have thought. But, um, but yeah, no, it really, really interesting because the right-wing um, pundits in America at the moment are just losing their mind. They're losing their shit, as yeah, they just, say, totally as we say lose. here in Australia. Yeah, no, they are. They're just losing it completely. And yeah. um, they are, they've got this conspiracy, conspiracy theory that uh, the Super Bowl... Uh, Whenever it's on, I thought it was on the thirty first of January or something. I've obviously it must be, got that. Yeah, I don't know when that is. I've got. I've be. obviously. I've obviously got that wrong. It must be very close. But I thought it used to be the thirty first of January. I have to get Fat Boy on here one time uh, um, to 12, let us know. I think it's twelfth of Feb. By the looks of it, twelfth of Feb. I'm yeah. sure they must have changed that. I'm sure they. Yeah, did. maybe. Anyway, um, yeah, they're saying it's going to be rigged because the Kansas City Chiefs with um, Travis Kelsey, I think who is the quarterback, I believe, um, who, as you know, is going out with Tay-Tay and has been yeah. for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah they're just 
the right wing are just losing their mind. Mm. Yeah, they're um, complaining yeah. a lot about, oh, now we've got all these Taylor Swift supporters watching, taking over the uh, coverage of Super Bowl and of NFL. And I just say to that, well, hey, you're getting a bigger audience to watch your show, which means more money going into the coffers of NFL and more of everything. So stop complaining. She's doing a good service for you guys. She Even is. though she's not asking for that attention, uh, it's been put on her. So, yeah. No, it's 100%. Okay. Yeah. No, nicely done. Nicely done. I like that. Very, very Apologies good. for my French for anyone out there who doesn't like No, that was very good French. I'll have to translate later. <laughs> um, but, well, actually, talking about millennials, uh, nearly 16% of the US ones who live with their parents in 2022. Uh, per the latest census figures that I have at, in front of me, um, are still living with their parents in 2022. Why it matters? Because younger people are increasingly struggling to swing the high housing costs and return to their childhood bedroom or basements. Mm. Uh, the number of Americans aged 25 to 34 living at home, you're going to love this. I'm just going to ask you. How much percent do you think it's jumped in the past two decades, according to census data? 25 to 34-year-olds. 25 to 34-year-olds, how many percent has it jumped? In the past two decades. I reckon 100%. It's doubled. Wow. You're That's good. That's right? why you're on this show. You're good. Yes. Very, very good. 80, 87%. Oh, okay. A little bit so, over, but yeah, not bad. Ah, nearly, nearly double. Beautifully done. Excellent done. Uh, yeah, nearly double. So what's happening? Younger generations may be staying home to save on expenses like rent, a future down payment, um, et cetera, et cetera. More young adults could be choosing to care for family members. Yeah, there is always that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Sharon Wilson of 29, uh, sorry, uh, Sharon Wilson's 29-year-old son mm -hmm. and his wife live in her remodeled basement apartment. Wow. <laughs> the plan is for me to downsize, move downstairs, and they take over upstairs and they start a family. I'm like, wow, okay. Mm. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, well, it, it it is unfortunately, but um, but this is the reality check. Plunging affordability hasn't stopped some millennials from buying homes. Nearly five, 55 percent millennials, those aged from 27 to 42, owned a home in 2023. Wow. Up from fifty-two percent in twenty twenty-two, according to a new Redfin report. Yeah, housing in America is nowhere near the price um, of what it is in Australia. Mm. So it's more uh, affordable there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's far more expensive now than it used to be. I think in the last ten years, uh, all to do with the crash. Mm, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, it was far. It was far less. Um, uh, sorry, far more affordable a few mm. years ago. So, um, <clears throat> so um, yeah, so those who move out might find rent is a lot more expensive. Yes, I think our child yeah. will find that eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the prices uh, increase slowed last year, apparently. Even price increases slowed last year. Well, I think they're talking, are they, I'm not sure if they're talking house prices or they are talking prices in general. Mm. Um, I because I know the I know inflation has gone down uh, in America and yeah. their jobs um, uh, unemployment figures are really good. They've gone down mm -hmm. as well. 
Yeah, and their interest rates are steady like they are here. Although I heard today with the RBA, even though they kept it steady, the interest rates here in Australia, they haven't ruled out an increase later in the year. Which is ridiculous because mm. I have been listening to some economic pundits and they're all saying they're expecting a decrease. decrease. If it's going to go anywhere, they're expecting a decrease, yeah. especially when these tax cuts come in. Mm. Because... They'll be slightly inflationary, not as much as they would have been, but mm. um, they will be probably a little bit inflationary. So, but um, I don't know. What do you reckon? Time for joke of the week? I think so to round out the show. I think so. So just before we do that, we'll just do a little bit of a reminder that you probably should give blood if you can give blood. Or plasma. And, uh, we'll, or plasma. And we'll be back after that. When you give blood. You're more than just a blood donor. You're the lifeblood of Australia. Search Give Blood and book your donation with Australian Red Cross Lifeblood today. Give life. Give blood. The Australia Institute produces high-quality research that has real-world impact, whether it's revealing the $10.3 billion in fossil fuel subsidies provided by federal and state governments last year, or our long-standing research advocating for a federal anti-corruption commission with real teeth, we change minds. To donate, head on over to australiainstitute.org.au. My brother-in-law was addicted to the hokey pokey. Joke of the week! Uh, if you like, I've got one here. Um, it's uh, pretty average, so we'll try this one. Uh, <laughs> we'll be the judge of that. At a party, judge of that. a young wife admonished her... Oh, can you hear that? Uh, at a party, yes. a young wife admonished her husband. That's the fourth time you've gone back for ice cream and cake. Doesn't this embarrass you? Why should it, answered her spouse. I keep telling them it's for you. Oh, no. Uh, please send in any complaints to Kevster. Am, am I getting this Blitzer. one? Is this the one? <laughs> is, is that yes, one? definitely. Is, is, is that it? Is that it? Is that yep, one? Yep. That's, yeah, that's better because it's louder. Oh, all right. Terrible, terrible. Apologies for all the women out there. Uh, Mike, let's Never. move on from that one. Uh, what do you call a well-balanced horse? What do you call a well-balanced horse? Stable. What? No. Stable. Oh, of course. Oh, I know, it's corny. Good. Yeah, we seem to be having a little bit of internet just at, the, just at the end of the show for some far yeah. out reason. I'm very just annoying. glad it's here, very, not very when, when we had Charles on. But you're the other. Oh, absolutely. Yes. No, absolutely. If you can't hear us, a grasshopper walks into a bar. The bartender looks at him and says, hey, they've named a drink after you. Really, replies the grasshopper, there's a drink named Stan. <laughs> uh, don't ask me what's in a grasshopper, but, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> uh, okay, my next joke and, and The is... lag is so much, I don't know if you're laughing or, or, or crying because it's so bad. I can't tell. All right. Why do cows wear bells? 
Why do cows wear bells? Is that correct? correct? Is that the question? Yes. Right. Uh, we do have a little bit of a lag still, unfortunately. Uh, why do cows wear bells? Because... Um, Look at the screen. Look at the on. screen. Look at the screen. What do they have? What do they have on their heads? You're a dickhead? You're a double dickhead. <laughs> oh, because no. they have horns. Yeah, because is, their is horns right? don't work. No. You're close. Oh, because they're horny. I thought you were going to say because they're horny. I'm not. I just, I couldn't, <laughs> no. I just couldn't work. I couldn't work out what I was. I was like, you're a double dickhead. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I can't work it out. Anyway, you can't believe everything you hear, but you can repeat it. You can't believe everything you hear, but you can repeat it. I don't get it. If, uh, if anyone is uh, out there listening, watching, if, if you do have a decent joke, do bring it in because we're, we're doing brilliantly tonight. We're desperate. Just we're desperate for some good jokes. One after another. Uh, go for it, Wensi. We are. So you go for your last one. I'll go for my last one. Okay. Uh, what did the triangle say to the circle? What did the triangle say to the circle? I heard. Oh, come on, internet. What did, tri what did the triangle say to the circle? Is that correct? Correct. This lag is just doing my head. Anyway, a teenager brings her new boyfriend home to meet her parents. They're pulled by his haircut, his tattoos, his piercings. Later, the girl's mum says, Dear, he doesn't seem to be a very nice boy. Oh, please, mum, says the daughter. If he wasn't nice, would he be doing 500 hours of community service? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's very good. That's a good one. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, I like I'll give that. you that one. That's a good one. I think we'll go out on that. Yeah, we'll go out on that. That was good. We will go yep. out on that one. That was good. Uh well that's your lot, people. Uh thank you for uh sticking around. Thank you for organizing that excellent interview with Charles Druckman. What a um magnificent young man. I, I wish him uh, good luck in that position. And as I said before, we need uh, more blood down there. And I know you'll be uh, rooting for him because you can't actually vote for him because mm -hmm. he's not your ward, is he? So. Not in my ward, but our councillor who or candidate in our ward has a very good chance of winning. So we'll see. We'll see in a month's time. Look, um, if you've stick around, stuck around to the end, sorry about that. We're just having a wonderful little tech issues for some reason. Who knows why? We didn't have any before, but now we do. But that's just the way it goes when you do virtual stuff. So thank you very much. If you uh, listened at the start of the show, thanks very much. If you're still at the end, thank you very much. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for organising it, Wednesday. And good night from me. And good night from me. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Bye. The new blurb is brought to you by Wensi and Kickstar, usually on a Tuesday evening. You can catch us on all the socials, as they say, the Blurt YouTube channel. We have a Twitter Blurt handle, and there is a Blurt Star Facebook page as well. So, if you're interested in getting getting in touch, it's blurtstar at gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as we can if you've got any questions. Until next week, there'll be another feed coming at you. Has been a Get Off The Glass Productions. Brought to you by Wincy and Kickstarter.